أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان وبعد باب آداب السيري والنزول والمبيت والنوم في السفر واستحباب السري والرفق بالدواب ومراعاة مصلحتها وجواز الإرداف على الدابة إذا كانت تطيق ذلك وأمر من قصر في حقها بالقيام بحقها a chapter regarding the adab or the proper etiquettes of sayr, of traveling, not necessarily being on tri- a trip, but actually actively traveling. A person may go somewhere, but the, the process of moving is only, is only uh, 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 you know, on the way there and on the way back. And the adab, the proper etiquettes of getting down from one's conveyance and spending the night uh, and sleeping while traveling. And the recommendation uh, uh, to travel during the nighttime and being kind to animals and looking after their best interests and after uh, their health and the permissibility of two people riding the same animal as long as the animal is able to uh, is able to to handle that uh, without pain or without uh, harm uh, uh, and something about what happens or what to do when a person falls short in uh, giving an animal its its right so this chapter is by Sayyidina Abu Hurairah who said, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, when you, uh, إذا سافرتم في الخصب فأعطوا الإبل حظها من الأرض وإذا سافرتم في الجدب فأسرعوا عليها السيرة وبادروا بها نقياها وإذا عرستم فاجتنبوا الطرق فإنها طرق الدواب ومأوى الهوام بالليل رواه مسلم So it's a hadith narrated by Sayyidina Abu Hurairah رضي الله تعالى عنه He said, إذا سافرتم في الخصب So when you're traveling in the خصب What is the خصب? Khisb is the land that has vegetation. Khisb is the land that has vegetation. Uh, if you travel in the land that has vegetation, give the camel or whatever other riding beast you're riding uh, its share or its portion uh, thereof from the earth. Meaning what? Don't just ride the animal hard and not give it a break. Rather, if you're riding and you see that 
the animal could use a break, then stop, let the animal eat, graze, etc., etc., so that the animal is in a good condition. Uh, that's also part of your travel as well as to take into account that the animal needs breaks and it needs to eat something, etc. And if you travel, I said, "What is jadb?" Jadb is the <coughs> the land that is dry and that has no vegetation at all, uh, in which everything is dead. Asri'u alayha sair. Ride quickly through it. Uh, don't waste time. Why? Because generally speaking, people used to pack the provisions for themselves, but they didn't pack provisions for the animals. So the longer that the animal has to stay in the jadb, the, the, the harder it is for it. So camels, they can go sometimes days without drinking. Uh, um, certain animals have certain you know, faculties that they're able to go longer without breaks or without uh, 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 food or water or whatever. But that doesn't mean that you should like, stretch them to their limit just because you can so he says, فَأَسْرِعُ عَلَيْهَ السَّيْرِ So when you're traveling through the, the jadb, the, the barren and desolate land, then move through it quickly. And وَبَادِرُ بِهَا نِقِيَاهَا And uh, uh, this is a, 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 an expression in Arabic that probably won't translate very well uh, word for word into English. But بَادِرُ بِهَا means to, uh, uh, you know, to go quickly towards something. Nikiyaha, uh, uh, the 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 uh, is <coughs> it's the mukh of something. I've been modern Arabic mukh now like means like your 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 skull or your head or your brain, uh, but that's not classically what it means. Mukh classically means a hollow space inside of a bone. Uh, obviously, uh, there is a hollow space inside of someone's skull. Uh, uh, in the sense that the brain is much less dense than the skull is um, without having to resort to making fun of people but uh, that's why the word muhnaus means means like a brain or, 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 or a head or something like that to the modern Arabs but classically speaking the mukh is what? it's a space, the hollow inside of every bone and so is it badiru biha niqiyaha that get through the jadb, get through the barren land before you drain, you drain the marrow out of the animal, right? Meaning what? That get, get through the barren land quickly before you end up stretching your animals to the limit. That they're panting and they're sick and they're hungry and they're uh, tired and they're going through pain and suffering. <coughs> keep, keep, keep the animal's welfare in, uh, 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 in mind. Whether arrastum. فَاجْتَنِبُوا الطَّرِيقَةِ فَإِنَّهَا تُرُقُ الدَّوَابِ وَمَأْوَى الْحَوَامِ بِالْلَّيْلِ And إِذَا عَرَسْتُمْ What does ta'aris mean? Do you know what it means? Yeah, mashallah, very good. Ta'aris, عَرَسَ يُعَرِسُ means to stay the night somewhere. There is a difference of opinion amongst the, amongst the uh, lexicographers. Some of them mean it, it means just to sleep somewhere whether in the night or the day, but the more correct uh, the more correct meaning is what? Is to stay the night somewhere. فَجْتَنِبُ uh, tariq uh, said if you're going to stay the night, don't, don't sleep in the, in the road or in the path. Why? Because animals come up and down it, up and down that path, and it's also a place that's frequented by 
by jinns at nighttime. And there's a number of other reasons that a person can think of that it's not good to stop in the path. Um, people are, other people are coming and going. You don't want somebody to bump into you or to cause uh, difficulty for another person who is trying to pass, etc., etc. So it's not adab to, to stay uh, or to sleep on the road itself, but go some distance from the road where you're out of the way and you're not causing anybody any difficulty or taklif. This is something that, especially children, this is something that you should learn from adab. Never stop in the way of anything. When you walk, walk on the sidewalk on the side. When you're in the sidewalk, walk on the side of the sidewalk in case someone needs to go by you. If you're in an airport or in a mall or at a gas station, right, don't stand in the doorway. Look around you, see someone needs to come and go. Right? Yield, give way while you're driving. Obviously, you guys can't drive yet, but when you can, right, it's bad. People go like, you know, they're going slow in the fast lane. That's all bad adab. Uh, um, so Rasulullah says, don't, don't, don't sleep in, in the road. Um, <coughs> I guess here, it also is worth stating, it's probably a dumb idea to stop your car and go to sleep in the freeway or the highway as well. Um, someone might just end up hitting you uh, or, or causing some other type of trouble. Just take an exit and uh, uh, you know pull over somewhere where it's peaceful. And God forbid someone get a hotel room uh, or even stay at somebody's house. Uh, but that that's the advice of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam of how to travel. ومعنى أعطوا الإبل حظها من الأرض أرفقوا بها في السير لترعى في حال سيرها وقوله نقيها هو بكسر النون وإسكان القاف وبالياء المثنات من تحت من تحت وهو المخ ومعناه أسرع بها حتى تصل المقصد قبل أن يذهب مخها من ضنك السير Right, so meaning what? Get to the get to where you're going, before you literally uh, work the animal to the point where its marrow is drained out of its bones. What ta'risu an nuzulu bil This hadith also comes in another uh, uh, narration, uh, in which uh, uh, in which it's mentioned. Rather than the word in the Sunan it comes uh, So rather than giving the saying give the camel its portion, it's narrated also that the Prophet said, Give the camel its right. Um, and these are the recorded differences of opinion uh, or sorry, differences of narration with regards to the hadith of the Prophet. So a person can see even though the hadith which as a point of aqidah we don't consider the hadith is preserved word for word although when you have several different narrators narrating the same hadith with the exact same word then we see that it's very unlikely that, that there, there was a change in it if different narrators from different <coughs> separate chains of narration narrate the exact same wording then it's quite probable that that wording is exactly the wording that Rasulullah made but it's the belief of the Ahlul Sunnah al Jama'ah that even if the exact wording of the hadith isn't transmitted, the meanings of them are, are protected and are sound. And so you see, even in those few hadith in which there is a difference of opinion with regards to wording, the meaning is, is, is almost exactly the same. 
right? The, what is the portion of the animal and what is the haq of the animal? It's almost the same thing. You can see how haq and hav, both of them are, are, you know, both of them are words on the same wazan and they have the same first letter, etc. Uh, uh, you can see how uh, it doesn't really make much of a difference uh, in it doesn't make much of a difference in the meaning, the fact that they're different, and they sound very similar, so it's an easy, uh, it's an easy, uh, um, uh, it's an easy word to f- flip back and forth. Uh, the idea isn't here that there's one hadith saying that, you know, that give the camel its right, and on the other side, it said, oh, you know, forget about the camel. Like, it's not, it's not like that. One Sayyidina Abi Qatadata radhi Allah ta'ala anhu, قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا كان في سفر فعرس بليل اتجع على يمينه وإذا عرس قبيل السبح نصب ذراعه ووضع رأسه على كفه رواه مسلم وقال العلماء إنما نصب ذراعه لألا يستغرق في النوم فتفوت صلاة الصبح uh, so Sayyidina Abu Qatada ta'ala anhu, who was one of the heroes and the tough guys of the Ansar uh, uh, we mentioned before also that he was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam actually had him as the armed escort of the, the caravan that would go for Umrah that he wouldn't take Ihram because uh, uh, he was essentially the armed guard of uh, uh, one of the armed guards of the, the, the caravan that would leave for Umrah from Medina Munawwara. He narrates <coughs> that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, when he used to travel and wish to sleep at night, he would lay on his right side. And when he would sleep right before uh, subh, before, the, before the, uh, the morning or before the crack of dawn, he would uh, plant his right uh, uh, elbow into into the in in the in the in the ground, and then he would put his uh, his cheek, lay his cheek or his head, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, in his right uh, palm. So hadith of Muslim, and so the the ulama commenting on this hadith is the reason that there is a difference that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to uh, put his hand in his the, put his head in the palm of his hand rather than laying it on the ground is so that that uh, he wouldn't miss the Fajr time or wouldn't miss the beginning of Fajr time. Uh, obviously, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is divinely protected from error. Uh, and uh, there is a hadith in which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam missed Salat al-Subh. He asked in the Bilal radiallahu anhu what happened and he said, Ya Rasulullah, what the same thing happened to you happened to me. I Meaning we both f- fell asleep. But there's a, a, a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that is uh, narrated by Imam Malik in his Muwatta, uh, amongst others, in which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Inni la ansa walakinni unasa li asun. That I don't forget things. Rather, at certain times, Allah Ta'ala will, will cause me to forget but only for the purpose of showing what the sunnah is to forget in that situation. So, something like this, obviously then a person will say that, well, why would Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa need to 
put his 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 head in his the palm of his hand. He's not going to miss subh anyway, which is probably true or which is true, actually. Uh, but rather, <coughs> he did that to show the ummah that they should also guard over their their salat uh, subh as well. Um, and so there's a specific sunnah here of like how you're supposed to lay down because Rasulullah wasallam, if you divide the part in the night into six parts, part four and five, or three, four, and five is when Rasulullah wasallam would would spend in tahajjud. And then the, 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 the last part, the sixth part, the last part before the break of dawn, often Rasulullah would, would, would sit or relax before the time for, for subh would happen as well. Uh, and so uh, uh, we also can take uh, a lesson from this, which is what? Which part of the night is for sleeping? One, two, and three. And if you're really tired, then you can do the whole four, five, and six as well. But Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that's the first lesson. The second lesson is what is that he himself was cognizant of about his fajr. So if you have trouble waking up for fajr because you're really sleepy, then what should you do? You can also put your hand in your in the your head in the palm of your hand, which is fine. But the idea is that even the idea behind putting your head in the palm of your hand is what. Do what you need to do in order to not miss your fajr. Everybody has, uh, mashallah, nowadays phones, and the Lord knows how much benefit the phone is giving everybody, mashallah. Uh, so there's a Toyota Sienna, the lights are on. So whoever drives in the Toyota Sienna, if you can go turn the lights off, it would be much appreciated. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Uh, uh, so your phone, mashallah, you get so much benefit from it. Set your set your alarm to fajr before you go to sleep, and make it a repeating alarm because nobody is going to need to miss fajr. Someone might say, "What if a woman is on her menses? Then she doesn't have to wake up for fajr, right? She doesn't." Uh, although I've seen that this is a practice of uh, many of the salihat that they will themselves sit and make some sort of zikr or some sort of ibadah of Allah Ta'ala at the times of the prayers. Uh, why? Just so that they don't get out of the habit of, uh, of observing the prayer time. Um, and there's a, lot, there's a lot there to be mentioned. You know, there are a lot of things, just because a woman is in mensis doesn't mean that she uh, is expected to or, or even has license to be heedless with regards to the deen. It just means that that's a time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated for you that you don't pray the salat, but there are other forms of worship that you you can take uh, from that. It's a principle in the Quran that when you're done with one, when you're done with one, uh, uh, you know, with one duty, then place yourself in, in another one. Uh, otherwise, that's why even if a, a man might say, well, or a woman might say, or a man might say, or whatever, Whatever you call a feminist nowadays, I don't know, because referring to people by different genders has become a very tricky subject nowadays. Um, <coughs> a person might say, what? That uh, this is uh, not fair or this is some sort of impropriety in the deen that the women don't pray for, for some time and that the men pray all the time. And who said the men pray all the time? After, after Asr, do you pray as a man? No. After Fajr, do you pray as a man? No. 
the difference is not qualitative, it's quantitative, that who, who, is, who is to uh, uh, pick some other ibadah from the ibadah that Allah Ta'ala taught the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught the Ummah. Uh, it's just a matter of, of what times there may be some difference in the times. Otherwise, as a concept, it's still haram for everyone to fast on Eid. Right? That same fast that will give you so much reward at any other time. Uh, now, mashallah, Silicon Valley, now fasting, now they have something called smart fasting, which is like they'll go on, like they'll do the fast of Sayyidina Dawud and say, oh, look, you know, it's so good for you. Now tell me, if you're going to fast and you're not going to receive any reward, does it sound smart to me? It sounds pretty dumb. It sounds like dumb fasting. Our forefathers did smart fasting, mashallah. Imagine old school Desi people and Arabs that don't have diabetes and they have their health in check. And they're going to go to Jannah as well. That's smart fasting. This is dumb fasting. Having a Diet Coke, you know, like for 36 hours, that doesn't sound very smart to me, but khair. Uh, <coughs> so Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he would rest, but he wouldn't let his rest sallallahu alayhi wasallam distract him from, from the subah prayer, even though his, the subah prayer was divinely protected. It was only, there was khalal in it only one time, and that was by the divine command as well. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam received the reward of having prayed that Fajr on time too. Because his own shatan is what? That he would have prayed it on time. But for the benefit of the ummah, uh, uh, Allah ta'ala caused him to, to as a, a command of the taqween, to, to, to miss it one time. So he receives the reward of having prayed on time and he receives the reward on top of it for teaching us what to do if we, if we miss the Fajr. For those of you who don't have the uh, the large the time for the long dars about it, what you do when you miss fajr is you have to make it up as soon as you can, or any other prayer. If a person misses the prayer intentionally, that person is described by Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam as it is as if that person they suffered such a calamity as if their their all of their property and all of their family was destroyed. Uh, but for the person who was held up, you know, you're, uh, um, you're, you, you, you were sleeping and you couldn't wake up, or there's some medical emergency, you know, someone, someone was dying and you had to save their life or whatever, or, you know, you, mashallah, good pious people went to go visit Jerusalem, or really for that matter, Makkah or Medina, and the guards don't let you go uh, in time to say your prayers or whatever. Uh, um, then for those people they should conceive of the prayer time for them as stretching all the way until they're able to pray and then the time it takes for them to make wudu and pray it. This is not me saying it, this is Qadi ibn Abdul Bar and perhaps there's an older source for it as well. Qadi ibn Abdul Bar is a hafiz of hadith and a master muhakkik of the Maliki Madhab. He's a hafiz of hadith, meaning at least anecdotally, I'm sure if you ask Masha Haji Saab, he's going to tell you that, no, there's actually some khilaf in it. But at least anecdotally for like simple people, they say that a hafiz of hadith is someone who's memorized over 100,000 hadith, uh, both in their text and their chain of narration. So, you know, it's not, it's not just like something cool for ban. It's, it's a reality. That's important too because sometimes a person will miss the prayer and then they'll become so depressed or so upset or it will ruin their day or whatever. If you did it on purpose, you should be upset. And that's a sign that, inshallah, your tawbah will be accepted. If you didn't do it on purpose, however, right, there, then Allah's choice is better than your own choice for yourself. So instead of freaking out, consider that if you prayed at the first time, because this is what will happen. Shaitan will still ruin it for you. Imagine you got like, 
you got uh, so many things in the Sharia are described like that. Imagine a person eats forgetfully while they're fasting. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi said, "What are you going to do about it? You, you know, you ate, you ate forgetfully. Allah Taala wanted to feed you something. You ate it. Why are you so upset about it? One thing is a person cheated on their own. The other thing is a person ate forgetfully, right? So it's a risk from Allah subhanahu wa taala. Even there's a khilaf. Malik says you still have to make the fast up, but he didn't say that there's any sin or that you should feel bad about it, right? Why? It wasn't. It wasn't something that's your choice. However, the problem is not that. The problem is once it's already happened." Then the person's like, oh, well, I already missed Fajr, so I may as well just like, you know, sleep for the next six hours. That's your bad. You had a choice about that, and you didn't fulfill it. The time stretches just as long as what? As long as you're able to, you're able to then break free from whatever thing is holding you back and make wudu and pray. Uh, and so a person should feel like they prayed in time. It's not the same as praying in time, that's fine, but don't kill yourself about it. That's for you, that's the closest thing in the qadr of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala, this is one thing, mashallah, Mawana Ameen <coughs> mentioned about teaching aqidah. He said people get really hung up about, about why, why am I you know, going to be judged uh, if uh, Allah Ta'ala knows whatever, what's going to happen before He created the heavens and the earth. And the very simple answer He gave was what? He said, you're judged based on your knowledge, not based on Allah's knowledge. You're judged based on your ability, not based on Allah's ability. If we were, you know, so that's it. That, that's it. So if that was your, that's your time to pray, then just get up and pray. And don't, don't freak out about it or feel bad about it. You can ask Allah Ta'ala, say, Allah, tomorrow please give me that I pray on time. Inshallah, you'll pray on time. But there's no point in freaking out about something. That if you freak out about your own knowledge and you, your own actions, that's fine. If you freak out about Allah's knowledge and Allah's actions, that's like a weird kind of kufr and it doesn't make any sense. And there's no point and there's no benefit in it. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just a, a stupid path to go down. One Sayyidina Anasin radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala qala rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallama alaykum biddujlati fa inna al-arda tutwa bil-layli rawahu abu Dawuda bi isnadin hasan biddujlatu as-sayru fil-layl Sayyidina Anas bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said if you travel you should travel at night because the earth is folded up at night uh, it's a narration of Abu Dawood with a good chain uh, and Dujla uh, means what? traveling at night or moving at night um, so what does this what does this uh, um, Expression mean uh, uh, that the that that the that, that the land or the earth is folded at night, meaning two places that may be far from one another. When the earth is folded, they become close. So imagine like you have a basketball, and these are these are uh, uh, examples given by like physicists when describing describing like certain unintuitive phenomena that happen in time and space as well. Imagine you have a basketball. So if you're on the surface of the basketball, you want to get from one side to the other, then you have to walk around the surface of the, or you have to move along the surface, like an ant has to walk out along the surface of the ball. So imagine if the, the air is let out of the ball, right, and you can just tunnel straight through, then, then the opposite side of the ball you can get get to it, it's closer to you than uh, it's closer to you than other things that may, uh, under normal circumstances when the ball is inflated, be, be closer. 
so this is something that uh, uh, that's part of our aqidah as well that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave everything in this created universe its creation and its form in a discrete quantum as far as time and space is concerned but he also reserves the right to put barakah in something or take barakah out of something that something may uh, uh, may at least outwardly have a certain distance but inwardly it may be something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will uh, stretch or contract uh, at his liking for whoever he wills and uh, uh, part of this part of this uh, hadith has to do also with things that that should be hopefully common sense one is what it's harder to travel during the daytime especially in a barren and desolate land and the second is that everyone else is doing what they're doing at daytime at the daytime as well so you're just going to end up getting in people's way and they're going to end up getting in your way even uh, even here for example if you're to travel so just say I'm, I mean the Midwest is like one city after the other so if I travel from here to I don't know uh, uh, um, Louisville Kentucky right I'm gonna pass through I'm gonna pass through Indianapolis etc etc if I leave at 8 in the morning I'm gonna get traffic out going out of Chicago and uh, 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 if I don't hit the traffic going into Louisville, I'm going to hit uh, some part of it in Indianapolis anyway. And uh, it's just like stupid. You're getting in other people's way. They're getting in your way. Why bother each other? When you're traveling, traveling is not like the most like computationally intensive process that a human being does. If you're on the back of a camel, the camel is moving. You pull the reins this way, that way to make a turn. It's basically that simple if you're driving driving requires even less uh, 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 less brain power uh, than uh, than driving a camel uh, especially when there's no traffic mashallah uh, if you you know Moana Bilal one time he came to Seattle after I had moved to Chicago we were both invited to the same program in Seattle uh, which was interestingly enough also uh, uh, the theme of which was the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum and it was epic, mashallah. And by Zuhair, Allah Ta'ala, give him hidayat, inshallah, that he should be able to pull out, pull out the files from those lectures. They're really wonderful. But uh, Moana Bilal and Sheikh Murabit were there. It was a really wonderful uh, get-together. But uh, <coughs> one of the things I say, I told Moana Bilal in the street, in the, in, uh, while driving the I-5, I said, you know, one of the reasons that I always say to you guys that, that Chicago is a dump and Seattle is a nice place uh, he says, he says, he says, yeah, I go, you think I'm being a hater, but there's really like a lot of things there to be, to be said. He, he goes like, what? I said, look, I drove on I-5 for probably three minutes without touching the steering wheel. It's such a well-engineered road. It drives itself. I said, can you do this? You try doing this on Kedzie. You're going, to, you're going to die and you're going to kill somebody as well. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Even the exits and things like that, they're all banked properly and whatever. So it doesn't take that much doesn't take that much brain power to, to, to travel. As long as you're not actually dozing off or falling asleep, it's good. This comes to, this comes to a more, uh, 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 I guess, philosophical point with regards to not only how you travel, but how you do things in general. Which is what? Using a little bit of your brain power uh, will end up making life easier for you and for other people. If you don't want to use your brain, what do people do? They just, like lemmings, do the same thing that the next person does. 
For example, in Hajj, right? If everybody is trying to enter from the same gate, what's going to happen? Nobody can go through that gate. If everyone's trying to leave at the same time, what's going to happen? Nobody's going to be able to leave. If everyone is, and this is something that the books, the, the fuqaha have written about Hajj in the past, uh, and it's, it's like a small like teaching opportunity to see like lessons for everything else in the world, right? If everyone is trying to go to the same Amazon like weird Amazon store that you don't need to like check out from at the same lunch hour, then what's going to happen? It's going to be a waste of time for everyone. If you go 10 o'clock that evening, you'll be able to get through it very quickly, in fact. The whole thing is if you use your brain, if you want to do something, you can do it. There's a smart way of doing things, which is what? To see how, how, how does it make sense? How to make use of, of, of resources, limited resources, uh, in a way that uh, is, is complementary for other people to be able to use things. The dumb way is what? Do something when everybody else is going to do it. And there's like a million ways you can apply this hikmah in your life uh, in every single different thing. If you're on an airplane, right, on a very long flight, don't wait till you're done eating the food to use the bathroom. Everybody else is going to use the bathroom once the meal is served. Go use the bathroom like 15 minutes before the meal is served. There'll be no line, I promise you. What will happen? That when you have to go real bad and another person has to real go, go real bad, then it's a zero-sum game. One of you is going to be ingratiated and the other one is going to have to suffer. Whereas if you went before, neither of you have to suffer and you receive the reward of like both helping yourself and helping another person. Uh, and it didn't cost you a dime. It didn't cost you a cent, right? But what is our, uh, 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 what is our way of like, dealing with our problems? Is like, oh, you know, people are, consumers are buying and wasting too much from this earth. So let's have like buy nothing day and let's make t-shirts for it. What is it? What is it? It's just, it's just making the problem worse. It just betrays like a lack of like thinking about things. People think about, uh, people think about like, you know, uh, all sorts of uh, uh, issues. And the, the, the solution to those problems are backwards. And the problem is we ourselves as, as Muslims and as human beings, we suffer for our own stupidity. We have to have a, a fundraiser for the masjid. So let's go and like give the Marriott, mashallah, $80,000 for whatever. Because nobody's going to give the money that they should have given in the first place until they see like that amount of money wasted. Right? It's, it's silly, it's stupid. It's a sign of a qawm that's decayed. What do you mean by decayed? It means what? If the rust on your car is from the outside, you can take sandpaper and, 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 and grind it off and you can paint over it. If the rust is from the inside, once it's come out, there's nothing you can do. You cannot, you cannot do anything about it. It's done. It's finished. There's no khair in it anymore. People say, well, you know, and I, mashallah, I work as a professional fundraiser, so I do these kind of stupid things for a living as well. Although I, 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 I you know, I'm... I don't think any of my colleagues appreciate the fact that I, I, I still like, you know, uh, I'm very grudging in, in, in the way that I dispense the, the money. But the idea is what? Is that I know how these things work. If you want to run things on a corporate model, corporate model is very wasteful. If you want to run things on the prophetic model, you can get a lot done with very little, with very little investment needed. Um, you work in the corporate world, right? So we're not talking about where you work right now, but perhaps a previous job, okay? How smart are people who work with you in your organization? Do they seem to you like genius-level people? 
even the bosses, the only reason that they're bosses is because you, the, 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 like a normal employee, you can tell them a very simple task and they'll finish it. You tell them a complex task, they can't do it. The mid-level management and the people who are making like, you know, whatever, $100,000 a year more than the, 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 the regular people, it's what? Just can you, because you can tell them some sort of like medium level of complexity in a task and they can get it done competently, <coughs> dependably. These are things that the, the, the people of the Ummah Rasulullah Sallallahu trained them to be able to do those. He trained every single individual to be able to uh, do those things properly. So that's fine. I get the fact that, look, there's refugee crisis in Burma. There's cholera outbreak in Yemen. I'm not going to be able to fix the entire Ummah like in one week. So that's fine. Let's have the fundraiser at the Marriott and like, you know, get the money to help the people who are in need. Let's go build the masjid. Let's go build the, you know, madrasa. Let's build all the things how we need to right now. But just because, just because you cannot fix the entire problem this week doesn't mean that Allah gave you the right to ignore the problem this week as well. Uh, and there needs, to be, there needs to be people who are trained to think about like, you know, uh, think, trained to think and trained to understand and to act in ways that are uh, uh, that are somehow helpful rather than just throwing your hands up in the air and say, yeah, I guess the prophetic model doesn't work anymore and now we're going to do something different. Because, uh, you know, if uh, everyone lives in uh, the sewer, then being a pig is a very efficient way of doing things. Maybe someone should think about like maybe cleaning the place up a little bit uh, and something else might be useful as well then. وعن سيد عن سيدنا أبي ثعلبة الخشني رضي الله تعالى عنه قال كان الناس إذا نزلوا منزلا تفرقوا في الشعب والأودية فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن تفرقكم في هذه الشعب والأودية إنما ذلك من الشيطان فلم ينزلوا بعد ذلك منزلا إلا ضم بعضهم إلى بعض Sayyidina Abu Tha'lab al-Khushani radiyallahu ta'ala anhu he is a sahabi who lived to see the reign of all four khulafa and Sayyidina Mu'awiyah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu and he is known by his kunya of Abu Tha'lab and there's a number of different different possibilities or narrations about what his his name is but he was well known by his his kunya rather than by his name. And this happens, there are some people, nobody knows what their name is. Even to this day, they're weird. There was like an Arab uncle in the Chico Masjid. Everyone used to call him Frank. I'm pretty sure his name isn't Frank. <laughs> but God help me if anyone knew what his name was. Uh, so, what can you do? Allah Ta'ala, if he's, you know, inshallah, he's still alive and doing well, Allah Ta'ala, keep him happy. And if, if and when... He and all of us move on to the rahmah of Allah Ta'ala Then Allah Ta'ala forgive us as well um, The Abu Tha'laba He narrates that That the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam When he would travel with people When they would like Break travel And pitch camp People used to just Go wander every different way and so they would go through the different uh, 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 the different alleyways or the different valleys, and each person would find their place that they want to uh, sleep for the night. So one time Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that this way that you all break up, break ranks, and just kind of fan out into the fan out into the uh, uh, periphery. Uh, this is from Shaitan. It's not from anyone but Shaitan. 
And then after that, what would happen is that they would stay close with close together with one another. When they would uh, uh, pitch camp, they would all find places that were right next to each other, rather than fanning out so far away. Which is what? Like if you're traveling together, obviously, right, this is not spring break type of travel. They're either going uh, on jihad fi sabilillah, or going on umrah, or going for some, there's some maqsad that they're going for, right? Um, and this again has to do with not thinking as an individual consumer, but thinking about how everything is going to happen with everyone together as a body. If there's a need to gather everybody and everyone is like, God knows where, then that's very difficult. And as a leader, you only have a certain amount of capital that you can use with your people who are following you. You can't yell at them about everything all the time. So if you make it more difficult uh, uh, for whoever is the emir to get the command to you in the first place, it's like a subtle form of disobedience. It's not like you're saying no, but you're like basically putting a cap on how, how the body will be able to move as one. Uh, you're putting a cap on the amount of quote-unquote unity that can be uh, affected in, in such a situation. Uh, so if you're doing some khidmah for something or if you're going for some sort of maqsad or some sort of purpose, don't fan out. If you're going on hajj, if you're going on umrah, if you're going on a trip, if there's, you know, whatever, da'al hikmah rahimahullah, if there's some sort of like whatever weekend program or itikaf program or you're going to madrasa or whatever, right? Tell the, tell the people, like tell whoever it's important to where you're going if you're going to go somewhere, right? Tell them what your needs are if you have a need. Tell them, tell them what's going on. Keep, keep them informed. Leave your phone number. Don't just like be like, oh, like, you know, the bus is waiting and then you just go off to, you know, find dates or whatever in the date market or something, you know, weird like that. Why? Because it causes everybody else taklif and one of two outcomes will happen. Either you give them taklif or they're going to leave you behind. And neither of them, nobody is happy when that happens. Um, you know, this was my own bad, right? Because you guys might be thinking, oh, look, he's like analyzing all of the issues of the ummah and look at him himself, right? Uh, we, we had the, the, <laughs> we had the, 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 the retreat uh, uh, last weekend in Minneapolis. <coughs> so I didn't have a ban in the morning. So I, I, went, uh, uh, I went to... Uh, um, I went with one of the Minneapolis brothers to go to Caribou to get coffees for myself and for Moana Tamim and Moana uh, Musa and Moana Bilal. We used to enjoy going to Caribou. Caribou's like gone from this state now, right? So I thought they'll like it, you know, all, all, that old crew, they all like, like you know, they, they all enjoyed going at Caribou. It'll be good for old time's sake. So I told the guy that, who's making the brewed coffee, I said, make new coffee, you know, so it'll be fresh and everything. They'll be happy. So when I came back, I saw Mulana Faraz, who was the, you know, basically the emir of the entire Jalsa, right? He was like pacing back and forth nervously in front of the door, wondering like what, what happened, you know, to our guest. So the Minneapolis brother who was next to me, man, he was basically like, he was basically about to like shackle him in the guillotine. So I was like, okay, Mulana, this is my fault. This is my bad. I'm sorry. I asked him to, to go and take me. So don't blame him. He was just, he was just following my orders. You're right. I should have told you guys before before leaving. It's true, right? Why? Because people need to know what's going on, you know? Uh, uh, and so he, he, he laid into that brother. He goes, he goes, he goes, don't you know it's the adab from the adab of like uh, any, uh, uh, anything that you do together that if before you leave, you should at least tell the emir where you're going. It's true. 
it was our battle, Allah Ta'ala forgive us for it. But I mean, it's something that, that we don't understand anymore. And that's why, you know, Mulana Faraz, if you, if you want to appreciate his personality, one of the things you, should, you need to know, he's a, he's a graduate of the, the Madrasa in, in Raiwind. The Madrasa in Raiwind is legendary for the amount of discipline that they teach their uh, students. Most people know about Raiwind, why? Because of the Tablih Markas. But it has a Madrasa as well. And the students of knowledge, the idea is this, is right? Tablih means what? Da'wah, it means to call people toward the deen. The idea in, in, in Raiwind is that the children should have such impeccable uh, order and discipline in them that they will lead by example the entire ummah. And nobody who's, anybody who wants to show how good of a leader they are, the best way they can show how good of a leader they are is by being a good follower. If somebody cannot follow, that means they have absolutely no aptitude for leadership whatsoever. And if you think that, like, you know, if you want to look for, like, examples to apply that and wonder who's a good leader and who's not, just look around you, mashallah. You know, we're talking about the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ and Jay-Z and Donald Trump are having a spat with one another. You don't know which one is a bigger moron than which. It's like the like uh, yin and yang of stupidity, right? If you want to see how, how a man will be a good leader, you have to see how, how can that person follow. How are they going to know what the needs of people who are following are if they themselves don't know what it means to follow anything? Uh, so the, the, the madrasa in Raiwind is, is, is legendary for the discipline that they, that they, they uh, impart to their students. And whatever experiences one may have had or not have had with the jama'at tabligh with certain individuals or in general, uh, uh, um, you know, it's something I believe is in general uh, 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 something great khair comes from. Uh, although I've had my fair share of run-ins with people who don't, you know, embody the ideals as much as they should. But then again, someone could say the same thing about me as well. Uh, uh, but whatever your opinion is or isn't, about it. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, running the ulama retreat uh, for three years, one year in Seattle, one year uh, 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 being intensively involved with it in, in, in the Northern California, and Mufti Abdullah Nana was the host, and the third year, uh, by then I had moved to Chicago, and so we basically did a repeat again. Um, I can tell you one thing is that the graduates of Raiwind, mashallah, you can tell the difference between them and between all of the other uh, attendees. Why? Because there were four or five of them. Dependably, every single time when the iqama was called, they were already sitting in the first saf, having prayed all of their sunnahs, making, have, ha, having had wudu, etc., etc., while there are still people who are straggling to come and join the, the salat or missing the salat and having to pray a second jama'ah or having to pray on their own afterward. Uh, and so, uh, mashallah, that's something very beautiful that, that training, if a person cannot receive it from madrasa, they're definitely not going to receive it from university. They're definitely not going to receive it from high school, public high school, or from Facebook or Twitter. Go, you know, go sit in a khanqa or go on jamaat or something like that yourself for some time. So that you can learn what are these, uh, uh, these values, the sunnah, how people should, uh, the etiquettes and the adab of how people are supposed to move together and get along with one another based on the sunnah. And then practice it as well. Because it's one thing to understand something. It's one thing to understand something theoretically. Right? There are a lot of people, some of the most annoying people in the world are people who have read a hundred books about Sufism but never sat in the khanqa before. Never, never showed any sort of discipline in making zikr before. Never, you know, met a sheikh before. Those people are. It's what it's like to them. 
uh, you know, it's like a person who, you know, wishes to, like, get a PhD in political science, and the only thing that they ever read was, like, the legend of King Arthur. That's their only, uh, you know, so that's a very ideal form of, mashallah, government, I, I, I admit, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, in real life, it's, things, are not that, things are not that easy until you get your uh, hands dirty in practice. Uh, you don't really understand what, what these things mean or what they take. And it's okay if someone to, you know, to, for someone to admit to themselves that I don't have exposure to this. It's okay to admit it to yourself. Uh, um, uh, and, and then to go and receive some sort of training with regards to these things. It's not, I mean, it's not easy. I got yelled at by my mashaykh, mashallah. Rafa, maybe I, I yelled at you or showed you like an evil grimace once or twice while traveling or while working on stuff. But it's all good afterward, right? Hopefully. I don't know, maybe when I'm gone he's sharpening his knife or something. But like, it's... It's all part of the part of the process. There's khair in it, inshallah. <coughs> Eventually, it will bring people closer together. There's no there's no harm or anything bad in it. It builds character. One Sayyidina Sahlan ibn Amrin, waqila Sahl ibn Rabi'i ibn Amrin al Ansari al Ma'rufu ibn al Hamvaliyah, wa huwa min ahli bayat al Ridwan. Qala mara Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam bi ba'irin qad lahiq zahruhu batnahu. أو قد لحق ظهره ببطنه فقال اتقوا الله في هذه البهائم المعجمة فاركبوها صالحة وكلوها صالحة سيدنا سهل بن عمر or it's also said سهل بن ربيع بن عمر الأنصاري who was well known by ابن الحنظلية he was known by the name of his grandmother uh, 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 um, uh, and he's f- from the Sahaba radiallahu anhum that went on Umrah with the Prophet وسلم, unarmed while the mushrikeen of Quraysh were still hostile knowing full well this is one of the things that Bay'at al-Ridwan why are those people special because if there was uh, uh, if it was an easy trip or there was war treasure to be gained afterward they would have gone. That's what Allah Ta'ala said in His book. You're not going to make money from going to, going to Umrah. Right? It's not like a wealthy opponent. If you defeat them, you'll take swords and armor and animals and livestock and money and things like that from them. It was a difficult trip. All The, the best thing you'll get out of it is what? You did Umrah, which is difficult. And uh, the worst is that you'll get killed and there'll be, you don't even have a way to defend yourself. So the people who were there at the Bay'at al-Ridwan, those people were, were special people. And those people were, uh, you know, what happened was they were, uh, um, they stopped at the place of Hudaybiyah, which, mashallah, we went on the, uh, we went, when we went on Umrah and we went uh, on Hajj, we stopped in that place. It's a place in the hill, it's outside of the Haram, the sacred boundary that surrounds Makkah Mukarramah. And, um, they stopped at that place before entering the, the haram and uh, the mushrikeen, they, they, they told the Prophet ﷺ, just don't, go, don't come any closer, let's negotiate this thing out first. Because you're coming closer as a threat to us, we don't, want to, we don't want to fight with you because you're in pilgrim garb, just stop right there, let's have a negotiation. So part of the negotiation was what? Rasulullah ﷺ sent Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu ta'ala anhu uh, into Makkah Mukarramah in order to negotiate with them. Why? Because he was a person that was loved by everybody. Uh, and he would be the best negotiator. When a long time 
passed and he didn't come back. Um, the Muslims feared that perhaps he was killed treacherously, which is a sign that what? That there's going to be a fight. Uh, and it's a fight that they weren't prepared for, but they all took, they all took uh, an oath of allegiance with the Prophet ﷺ said that they're together until the end. And uh, Allah Ta'ala described that oath as what? As لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ That uh, uh, Allah Ta'ala is pleased with the believers when they, uh, when they gave their oath of allegiance with you underneath the shade of the tree. So the place where that the 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 place where the the um, that that oath of allegiance was made was inside of that masjid, and then there's a dar outside of it, like a kind of a half-built wall. That was the place of what the place where the treaty of Hudaybiyah was signed. Uh, so it's a very mubarak place, and uh, 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 Sayyidina uh, Ibn al-Hanzaliyah was one of those people, and this is a great proof also against those people who cursed the Sahaba radiAllahu taala anhum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us something from existence better than, than, than such a state of wretchedness. It's a proof against them because Allah ta'ala, He said that Allah ta'ala is pleased with the believers when they took the oath of allegiance uh, uh, with you underneath the tree. Meaning what? Those who, who, who took the oath of allegiance underneath the tree, Allah ta'ala described them as, as mu'minin. And He also on top of it said that He's pleased with them. Uh, so whatever haters are going to say that yeah no no that just meant two or three of them then why are you uh, you know you're describing uh, hundreds of people and then you're saying no no Allah Ta'ala only meant two or three of them it doesn't it doesn't make any sense uh, when there's no uh, when there's no uh, uh, external proof then it becomes a nonsense as well if you have a, some proof for it bring that as well but there's no other proof for that claim uh, and it's it's just a bunch of nonsense so Ibn Hamvaliya is one of the Ansar from Banu Haritha uh, al-Ausi, uh, uh, and uh, he uh, uh, was from the people, the Bayatul Ridwan, and he mentions that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa passed by a grown male camel, uh, uh, <coughs> who was so thin that its stomach was stuck to, was sticking to its back, meaning what? It was so thin that it's, the stomach was completely empty, had no fat on it. It seemed like it was. The skin of one side was sticking to the other side. And so the Messenger of Allah said, Fear Allah Ta'ala when it comes to uh, uh, these uh, animals that are unable to speak. The animal cannot itself complain or raise any complaint against you, has no tongue, has no ability to speak up for itself or to advocate for its own right. Fear Allah Ta'ala when it comes to these uh, uh, animals that cannot speak. Uh, uh, and if you ride them, ride them uh, saliha. So uh, uh, salihatan meaning what? Meaning one of two possible meanings. One is ride them as a righteous person would ride them, meaning treat them well. The other is ride them in a in a, in a state that they're they're also free from any sort of difficulty or defect. If you ride an animal, ride it while it's healthy. Uh, and if you eat the animal, eat, eat it, uh, either slaughter it properly or eat it while it's also healthy. Uh, and this has to do with, this has to do with uh, uh, another hadith that we'll, we'll uh, come to, uh, the next hadith. But the idea is what? Is that if they're good enough to eat, uh, to keep for, for eating and they're good enough to uh, use for work, then, then they're also good enough to treat well. Uh, now we don't use animals for work 
all that much anymore. Maybe like if someone has a petting zoo or someone is going to run SeaWorld or whatever, then you know, don't be a jerk to the shamu or whatever. I guess that's an issue too, so SeaWorld's about to go out of business. But we definitely eat animals, and we're totally not practicing any of this, and it's a, completely a sin. Don't think just because Hafsa puts a certificate up on the wall that we're absolved from the sin of how the animals are, are treated. Uh, so rather than being cheap, if there is an alternative for something that's humanely raised or whatever, pay more money for it and just eat less meat. You know, you can buy tofu or whatever. So people say, oh, tofu is bad for your thyroid gland. Okay, go to the whatever Valley Produce on the corner of Bloomingdale and North Avenue and get the paneer to taste better than tofu anyway. That's probably healthier for you as well. Uh, uh, the idea is that just, you know, eat, eat some vegetables one day if it's too, too expensive. If it's good enough for you to eat, it's also good enough for you to take care of. What did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said? He said that, he said that, he said that, فَرْكَبُوهَا صَالِحَةً وَكُلُوهَا صَالِحَةً Ride them while they're in good health and eat them in good health as well. And uh, 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 we just have two more hadiths to get through the bab, inshallah. So there's some issues that tie over to the next hadith. When Sayyidina Abi Ja'far ibn Abdullah ibn Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala anhuma قال أردفني رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ذات يوم خلفه وأصر إلي حديثا لا أحدث به أحدا من الناس وكان أحب ما استتر به رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لحاجته حدف أو حائش أو حائش نخل عفوا يعني حائط نخل رواه مسلم هكذا مختصرا وزاد فيه البرقاني بإسناد مثل هذا بعد قوله حائش نخل فدخل حائط لرجل من الأنصار فإذا فيه جمل فلما رأى الجمل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم جرجرا وظرفت عيناه فأتاه النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فمسح سراته أي سمانه وذفراه فسكن فقال من ربه هذا الجمل لمن هذا الجمل فجاء فتى من الأنصار فقال هذا لي يا رسول الله قال أفلا تتق الله في هذه البهيمة التي ملكك الله إياها فإنه يشكو إلي أنك تجيعه وتدئبه وقوله ذفراه هو بكسر الذالي المعجمة وإسكان الفاء وهو لفظ مفرد مؤنث وقال أهل اللغة ذفر موضع الذي يعرق من الإبل خلف الأذن وقوله تدئبه أي تتعبه أبو جعفر عبد الله بن جعفر رضي الله تعالى عنه Ja'far bin Abi Talib is a full brother of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu. Uh, he was shaheed fi sabilillah with uh, uh, Sayyidina uh, Zayd bin Haritha and Abdullah bin Rawaha radiallahu ta'ala anhum at the Battle of Mu'tah uh, uh, fighting the Romans uh, during the lifetime of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So he's the nephew of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the son of his cousin, uh, the son of the brother of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhum. Uh, 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 he said that Rasulullah sat me down on, on, on his mount one day. 
the, the two of them were riding. He's a boy, he's a little boy, so it's not going to harm the animal too much, you know, for another kid like sitting down on the on the mount. So he sat me down on the same mount uh, one day uh, uh, behind him, and then he told me uh, uh, something as a secret, and I'll never tell anybody uh, what that is. Um, and he, if he wanted to uh, go and uh, uh, answer the call of nature. Uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam preferred to go behind some sort of mountain or hill, that 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 that's between him and between uh, where people are, or he would uh, he if that wasn't available he would like to or he would prefer to go uh, behind a uh, 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 some sort of barrier like a, a wall made out of uh, palm palm branches. The they used to have those like walls like an enclosed area that a person can enter or have some sort of like a barrier so a person can go behind the screen and then answer the call of nature so as to be screened from, from the view of people right this is before in pre, pre-modern times they didn't used to have uh, uh, at least in the Arabian Peninsula they didn't used to have like proper bathrooms so people would just like they do in villages and in, in, in different places to this day they just walk far away and go so Rasulullah because of his his shyness and his hayat he would look for a place that's completely screened that there would be no chance that anyone will see him uh, uh, when he would uh, go use the restroom. So this much is narrated by a uh, Muslim um, and uh, Al-Burqani uh, uh, brings with the same uh, level of chain of narration uh, 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 some more words in this narration that Rasulullah once like this he entered into a, uh, an area that was walled off by such a uh, palm branch uh, wall uh, 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 that belonged to the Ansar. So when he entered into that area, there was a camel in it. And when the camel saw the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it made a gargling uh, 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 noise in its throat. And uh, 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 it, uh, uh, its eyes started to well up with tears. So the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam came to it and patted it on its, on the, uh, on the hump and, and rubbed it behind the ears uh, and he, he asked then who is the owner of this of this camel and uh, a young man from the Ansar came forth and he said oh messenger of Allah it's me uh, so Rasulullah then chastised him he said do you not fear Allah Ta'ala when it comes to these animals that Allah Ta'ala has made you a master over so this, uh, this camel came to me and complained that you don't feed it you let it stay hungry for long amounts of time and that when you work it, you tire it out. Uh, it's a hadith narrated by Abu Dawood, uh, 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 and Abu Dawood brings the same narration of Bur- uh, Burqani, the, the longer narration. So, if you're, if you're going to use it, use it as a righteous person would, and use it, put it, keep it also in a good state. And if you're going to uh, eat it, then eat it, you know, like let it live in a good state before you eat it, and also eat it in the in, in the correct way, uh, as a righteous person would eat it, meaning uh, slaughtered properly. Uh, and this is uh, this is important. I mean, in general, whatever things we use, we should use them properly. Everything has a proper use. We shouldn't abuse things and uh, not use them properly. It's a type of uh, it's a type of ingratitude for the ni'mah, for the blessing Allah has given us. But especially when it comes to a living thing, um, you have to be careful about. You have to be careful about you know how you deal with those things. And just because we don't ride camels anymore doesn't mean that this doesn't apply to us. 
rather, it applies to us double because we eat more meat than other people used to eat from before, and animals are not being taken care of properly. Um, there's another uh, narration that's uh, uh, um, uh, 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 I, of the same of the same hadith, in fact. Um, in which in which the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam it's very interesting because Rasulullah sallallahu just because the fact that Allah made it permissible to kill the animal to eat it doesn't mean that like you just the act of killing an animal is non, like to be done nonchalantly Ibn Rislan brings a, a, a narration Ibn Rislan brings a, a, a narration in which uh, of the same of the same uh, incident and so that that person uh, that person was brought to the messenger of Allah sallallahu and he called he called that person to him he says ma sha'nu kahada rasulullah asked him what is what's the deal with this camel of yours don't turn around pay attention to the dars he says what's the deal with this camel of yours and he says i don't know by allah uh, 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 what we know is that we uh, about him about this animal is what is that uh, 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 we use it to carry water uh, to carry water uh, until it's no longer able to uh, 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 until it's no longer able to carry water anymore. Carrying water is really heavy. Uh, water is very heavy. It's <coughs> very dense. So he said to he said to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, "Fatamarna, fatamarna al-bariha an-nanharahu, nuqasimu lahma lahma hu, nuqasimu lahma lahma hu." "Qala fala tafal." He said that we made a decision yesterday that now that it's unable to carry water anymore, we're going to slaughter it and just give out the meat. And Rasulullah said, no, don't do it. And there's another, there's another like, hadith also like that, um, that, that, that I'm reminded of, that a woman, um, she was lost in the desert or something like that. And so she swore an oath that that if her camel, if she the camel that she had that like brought that 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 was that she was riding, if she got back to civilization and safely, um, that she'll slaughter the animal uh, for for the sake of Allah Taala and divide up its meat. And Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, "That's horrible. Why would you do that? The same camel that saved you. Like why why are you why are you going to kill it now just for having helped you out?" And so the idea is what. It's permissible to eat the animal. It's not a legal hukum that like imagine if you you know if you make a decision to to kill an animal like of livestock to eat. It's permissible alal itlaq. I mean in general it's it's permissible as long as the animal's not a pig or something like that. Um, it's permissible like uh, without ex- with with uh, uh, in general, I shouldn't say without exception but in general it's permissible to <coughs> slaughter the animal in order to eat it. But the point is what if you want to slaughter the animal, slaughter the animal to eat it. Don't just slaughter to kill it off. And this is unfortunately like, you know, many like restaurants and businesses and things like that. That's exactly what they do is that they treat the animals uh, without any respect. And uh, when the animal has like lost its uh, commercial usefulness, then they'll uh, immediately just uh, dispatch it in order to be killed. And uh, that's 
there's something wrong with that. You're not giving the respect to living things that is due to them by, uh, uh, by doing such a thing. And so the, the ulama, they, they, uh, uh, they mention... Uh, um, they mentioned that with regards to this Ibn Rislan, Muqala Ibn Rislan, fi hadhi riwayati, man'ul nahri al-jamali idha azmana u ajaza anil amali illa in urida, uh, uh, in urida akla lahmihi muqad sarraha bihi ashabuna. He said that, uh, he said that this narration it shows a proof that, uh, uh, that a person, it's, it's wrong to slaughter the animal just because it's become old or become it's, because it's not able to work anymore. The, the correct intention or niyat for slaughtering the animal is because you want to eat it. And so it's, it's, a, 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 it's not like an outwardly enforceable part of the law, but the niyat is, is, is not right, that you're just getting rid of it because it's no longer of any use to you. It's like you're disrespecting the, the life of that living thing. It's permissible for you to slaughter it in order to eat it if that's what you want to do. But don't just do it because you see it as like something that, that its life is no longer of any use anymore. When Sayyidina Anasin radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala kunna idha nazalna manzilan nusabbihu hatta nahulla ar-rihal. Rahu Abu Dawud bi isnadin sahih. Wa qawluhu la nusabbihu ay la nusalli al-nafilata wa ma'nahu. So this, this one small hadith, inshallah, is the last one we'll read, inshallah, for this lesson. Sayyidina Anas bin Malik, radiallahu anhu, he narrates that uh, our, our habit, meaning what? The companions of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Our habit when we arrived uh, at our destinations was that we would not uh, pray uh, uh, until we would uh, uh, unload the unload the animals, the burden from the animals. Meaning what? It's a sunnah. To, it's a sunnah to pray. It's a sunnah. Like when you're going to Hajj, it's a sunnah. First thing when you reach the 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 Masjid al Haram is to what to make tawaf and not to do anything else before that. Uh, or it's a sunnah. For example, when you arrive from a trip. That you should pray two rakahs in your house, uh, or when you're when you're leaving, you should pray two before going. But for the purpose of this hadith, when you arrive, you should pray two rakahs. Or a person may even have like you know have a, a farth prayer that they need to yet pray before they can go to sleep or whatever. I said before worrying about the before worrying about the salat, what what would they do? They would first offload the the animals, not burden them. Uh, uh, so that they can have some relaxation from having to carry the burden that they, they have to, and then they would they would say the prayer. Um, and I think there's something very important to understand about this that, uh, without having to talk about it too much, that if this is what Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam's mercy was toward the animals then what would his mercy be toward human beings and it, a lot of the a lot of the people who nowadays have you know are kind of animal rights activists or whatever right it's kind of like the relationship between smart fasting and the actual smart fasting which is what one is like a hollow shell that receives no reward it's a mockery of 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 a, an act of the pious and the other is the actual act of the pious nowadays many people the reason that they 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 are quote-unquote animal rights activists is what? 
is because they've lost any sort of mercy for human beings. They would rather spend $10,000 on their dog than, uh, you know, see like, you know, some kid from the hood get an education. They would rather spend, uh, you know, uh, they would rather like make a big scene and a big protest about something that happened to, uh, you know, somebody, some, you know, some animal somewhere uh, rather than worry about like people dying of cholera or people, uh, you know, having, you know, living in a refugee camp in a jungle somewhere or whatever. It's a sign of what? If you have more mercy for animals than you do for people, it's a sign that your heart is hard. That your heart is dying or it's already died. Rasulullah's concern for animals was what? It was in its place. He used to not put animals above people in, 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 in his mercy. But it was from the perfection of his mercy, sallallahu alayhi wasallam that he maxed out on his mercy for people and he also uh, would have mercy for all of Allah Ta'ala's creation. So most of us, even, you know, even though we're going to anonymously eat whatever meat that we eat, we're not going to actually like, meet the animals that we're going to slaughter. Uh, it, you know, um, imagine if this is the mercy that Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi his, his sunnah is to have for the animals, then how much should it be for people if the usul of the sunnah is that people have more honor than animals do. And how much should it be then for the person who says, La ilaha illallah. Yet, people, when they have employees, they treat their employees badly. Someone wants to go on a bathroom break. Somebody is sick. Somebody needs to do this. Somebody needs to do that. Just because you pay a person something doesn't mean that like you own that person. In fact, slavery is... There's so many abwab of... of the law of the Sharia regarding slavery. Slavery was never abolished by the Sharia of the Prophet ﷺ, which is probably not like the most like I don't know. It's not the most like uh, uh, a PR friendly thing to say. But in the dars of the Deen, imagine that that even slavery is not abolished in in the Deen. You still can't treat your slave if you can't. Tr- Overburden your camel Then can you overburden your slave No If you cannot starve the camel Can you starve the slave No If you can't beat the camel Can you beat the slave No So why is it everybody When you say Oh look Islam has slavery There are people outside That will lose sleep at night And say Oh how, how barbaric is Islam And how barbaric is the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam You people are the ones who You people are the ones Who are like the Mujtahid Imams of barbarism You people are the sick people Who imagine And And and, and, and fantasize and literally receive disgusting types of pleasure out of the thought of harming other people. You're the ones who have take disgusting pleasure about the thought of harming other people. If you look at the, the, uh, war, the pictures from the Civil War era where you, know, you have uh, you know, slaves that they've been lashed so hard that their entire uh, uh, back is like scarred, uh, like a jumble of scars, and there's more scar tissue than there is uh, skin. Uh, uh, like, you know, like 80% of their back is scar tissue and there's maybe 20% on the periphery that's skin. That's what they think about when they think about slavery. The, the fact of the matter is if someone came even, even, even like 5% of that, you know, uh, to the Qadi and showed, look how badly I was beaten, the Qadi would have freed the slave uh, 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 from, the, from the, the clutches of the master. Uh, what is this? This is a, 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 very simple, a very simple issue, which is that kufr will always hate the deen 
and kufr will always try to uh, uh, push people away from, from the deen by what? Feeding them false information. And the deen will always supplant kufr by what? Telling people the truth. And the fact of the matter is, if Rasulullah wasallam, you know, that literally the, the camel would cry and come to him and, 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 and share this, uh, 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 you know, share its pain with him, and he would do something about it. Then what do you think that a, a believer in Allah and his Rasul sallallahu should do when a human being comes and cries and shares their pain with you? And if you think that this is some sort of like exaggeration or nonsense, you know, pie in the sky in July uh, type of stuff that the Muslims just made up in order to, you know, uh, uh, you know, make the Prophet look like uh, some sort of super, supernatural superman, this is not something abnormal. This is something very real. I've seen it. I've seen the animals. I've seen camels also. They can tell the difference between people. They, 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 they have relationships with people. They say things to people. Uh, I remember I used to take my sheikh to the, or I took my sheikh a couple of times to the Uzbah to go get fresh camel's milk. Uh, 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 you know, this is before he, mashallah, has now he has a very high mansab in the Oqaf, mashallah. He drives himself. In those days, he neither had a car nor did he drive. So I, I took him. I remember the camels used to come and they would uh, 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 lower their head and be uh, petted by him, like in line. And they didn't do it for other people. They never did it for me. I remember even my Shaykh, uh, uh, Rahimahullah Ta'ala in Lahore, uh, the, the camels that they slaughtered for, for Eid, uh, uh, the camels came, they, 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 they came to the manhar, the place of slaughter on their own. They didn't have to be wrestled. Anyone who goes to a place, most places in America where they slaughter the animals for uh, Eid al-Adha, you know, you hear the goats and the sheep like screaming like human beings. Uh, uh, because of how horribly they're being slaughtered and probably because how horrible this, <coughs> you know, the people that they're being slaughtered for are. Right? You, see, you see that. You see that from, from the animals. That's something if you haven't, you know, if you haven't lived uh, uh, with like living things, you don't understand those things. That that's not a, that's not a, a like some sort of supernatural miracle. Uh, uh, although it may seem miraculous to us, that's what, it's a sign of a human being who is uh, in contact and connection with living things uh, around him. That's a very normal thing for somebody who knows about those things, but we've been separated from them so much. So this is something that we also should practice ourselves. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring into our uh, hearts uh, mercy for one another. If you can see yourself being, uh, feeling mercy for an animal and not see yourself having the same mercy for like, you know, uh, people in the masjid or, you know, Muslims in different places or from whatever uh, country you come from or whatever, uh, you know, if you see just another Muslim somewhere and you're embarrassed about them, whereas you can see like an animal in pain and you feel bad for them, something's messed up inside. Uh, their work needs to be done. Those things don't get messed up overnight and they don't get cured overnight. But uh, accepting that there's a problem, uh, that's the way that you'll get out of it. Uh, by, by not accepting that problem, uh, uh, it's only going to get worse. Allah Ta'ala give all of us so much tawfiq. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi. Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.